Travel back with us to 1966 as we discuss what many have considered to be one of the greatest albums ever recorded, ourselves included. It's time for the Beach Boys' timeless classic, Pet Sounds. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast. We believe it is the home for the greatest in music and movie podcasting. Eric came up with that, so I'm going to take his word for it. <laughs> I believe him. You should yeah. believe him as well. I Yeah, you should, because it is. So it there is. it is. I've said it, and, and that's it. So And if it's on go. the internet, it must be true. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, you must be listening to it on the internet. So that, by default, makes that a true statement. Yeah. If we Absolutely. go by everything we know about the internet. That's right. <laughs> we're there. Or, or we could we're be proud. <laughs> we're here to stay. So there or it is. Knowing the internet, this could be like the biggest untruth ever, but we don't think so. <laughs> we we give you weekly episodes of, uh, of music and movies, and we have a great time doing it. And we're glad you joined us for this very special episode. This is one that's been uh, in the pocket for a while. What do you say? Yeah, I think so. And it's, if, it, it if, is. if Eric had his way, let me say this. If Eric had his way, this would have been episode one, <laughs> right? We're pretty close to it. Well, yeah, probably <laughs> in the first few, uh, but Dean wouldn't let me. So no, we're not ready. We're not ready. And yeah, so, so this is a long time coming. So it, it is. Er, it Eric is kept, Eric kept you pounding know? on the door and I just wouldn't answer. I'm like, no, no one's home. No one's home. We're not. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> yep. And, and as we approach our one year anniversary, I think this is the right time for us to really celebrate this album, which mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> is we're, we're, we're really going to hopefully give it the, the respect and the due that it deserves. And hopefully as a result of that, if you don't take our word for it about our passion, hopefully maybe just the story or the elements surrounding the recording of the album will intrigue you enough yeah. to want to go to want to go listen to it. Right. Because it's not it's not just about this album or these songs. It's a lot about what was going on at the at the time as well. Mm -hmm. The recording of it, absolutely. It you know it, it's a work of art. I'm just going to throw that right out the gate. You know, right out there, it, it will stand as a work of art for all for all time. And that's just my opening statement <laughs> about <laughs> about this record, ladies so, and gentlemen yeah. of the jury. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> the defense rests. Yeah, but we're not going to rest. We are not going to rest with this album. No. We've got we've got a lot to cover. Um, it is absolutely one of our, <clears throat> both of our favorites. And oddly enough, we came to it at, at different points. It's not something that we listened to together, oddly enough. No. So you you would think, oh, this is something that they both got. No, actually, no. No. Actually, and I, quite, I, quite, quite, quite the opposite. It, exactly. And it, it, but I think it's the, probably the definitive album that you and I connect with. And I think, and the reason for that being is, is because it's so progressive. So it, it, ple it you know, there's, there's something in it for both of us. You know, you're, you're more into sort of the pop aspect. Yeah. I'm into the progressive side of it and it's both. And that's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful combination. So, yeah. yeah. Like I said, yeah. and, and I think for me, it's also the story yeah. ab about this album. And we're not going to unfortunately spend a lot of time on just Brian Wilson. We, we absolutely could do an episode. Um, he is the main driver. He's going to be the main character in this story. We can kind of let you know mm -hmm. right now the the rest of the Beach Boys are, are going to play a relatively minor role 
in this story because they kind of do on the album, not to undermine what they've done. And we're not going to do that, but let's get it started. Okay. Let's stop talking about what we're going to talk about and start talking about it. And start talking about right. it. Let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. this was released in May of 1966. That would make it almost 56 years old. Yeah. Oddly enough. Uh, number <laughs> 10 on the, on the charts, on the album charts, reached number 10. Uh, number two on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums. We had spoken about that during our Sgt. Pepper episode, and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. kind of circle back on that a little bit. There were three singles released from this album. Caroline No, but that's the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 30, hit number 32. Sloop John B hit number three, and Wouldn't It Be Nice hit number eight. Mm-hmm. Just, just to, overall, just to kind of tie that up, at the time, this was not a hit for the Beach Boys. No, it was actually considered a miss. Uh, it was not something that performed up to what the Beach Boys standards would were perceived to be at the time. Right. So although it had three three singles, none of them were number ones, and the and the album just barely cracked the top ten, and then kind of disappeared. And yeah. uh, at the time, time not would even, be a lot more kinder to this album. Yeah. Not even the uh, yeah. Well, not even the band really. I, I guess at the time thought it was, or I, I know Mike Love for sure didn't think that it was, uh, it wasn't up to the, like you say, the standard of what they were doing and what they were used to doing. This was totally out of left field. This was something so avant-garde. I, I don't think anybody was kind of prepared for it or, you know, they were scratching their heads with it. The record company yeah. was scratching their heads about it. They were just, they had, it. what is this? I mean, it is, you know, yeah. time, time was the ultimate, uh, yeah the ultimate judge and the ultimate it, 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 you know, yeah and very and kind interesting. to it. so yeah yeah and you yeah. and you say avant-garde which is really uh very interesting because we talk you know we've talked in other other episodes about you know the trajectory of bands how they mm-hmm. evolve you know mm-hmm. and, and the beatles are going to figure into this as well because the beatles were the were <clears throat> and they acknowledged that they were the primary rivals and and brian wilson acknowledged that the, the beatles were his like target like that was yeah what was what was uh motivating him to do what he was doing not to copy the Beatles because they don't these bands don't sound anything alike but they were both inspiring each other by what they were doing and the Beatles were paying attention to what Brian Wilson was doing with the Beach Boys as well sure mm-hmm. so just to kind of let, let's kind of set the pre-table for it and we had talked about it a little again we're going to reference the Sgt. Pepper episode a little bit because it's a nice adjunct these episodes will go nice together so if you want to yeah. check that out as well Brian Wilson had his share of stresses, maybe some some borderline mental, undiagnosed mental issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, some you know has somewhat of a nervous breakdown in in the mid sixties. Um, decides he does not want to tour anymore. He cannot handle the stressing stresses of touring. So he says, "I'm I'm just gonna I'm not touring anymore. You guys go out get a replacement." Uh, which the first one was Glenn Campbell. Yeah, it was the first replacement to kind of fill in. He just went in, and the you know the the those striped shirts fit, and they they, they <laughs> yeah. put him out there. Those yep. Pendleton shirts, yeah, um, got him out there, and and eventually they they got Bruce Johnston as a as a regular quote unquote fill in. That allows Brian Wilson to spend time in the studio. The Beatles would follow suit. Not long after, the Beatles would also become tired of touring. Mm-hmm. After Brian Wilson did it, and they would also say we we don't want to tour. We want to spend time in the studio creating music. That's right. And uh, as a result of that, Rubber Soul was the album that uh, that was the, 
such a fine, fine example of, of music that just came together in the studio. I mean, the whole recording aspect of, of that album is just so it's pop perfection and it's, it's so solid and so broad and, you know, and, and every song is no filler on, on the album. And I guess when Brian Wilson heard this album, that inspired him to say, well, I am going to make the greatest here rock comes my album. Res- yeah, here comes my, my response, response to Rubber Soul. Where there will be no, again, no filler. Every song will be special. Every, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, but to hear Rubber Soul, and, you know, it's ironic that to, to me because, because it's so, you know, to me, I think Rubber Soul might have been the pinnacle of what the Beatles were uh, accomplished. Because if you think about it, what they did after that, they were starting to deconstruct their that sound mm-hmm. with revolver it was it was more sparse more spread apart it wasn't as full and then of course you know they went on to do you know uh, sergeant pepper which is you know which was the the ultimate masterpiece the ultimate statement the and response then, to pet sounds exactly <laughs> exactly but you know that that's when things started going on in the band where they started going off and doing their own things mm-hmm. and 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 really starting to separate that what whatever it was that that uh, came together on Rubber Soul, collectively, started to, to split apart. And then yeah. by the time they got to the White Album, then then of course they were in different, you know, literally in different rooms doing their own thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, but it, it just seems strange to me that you know Rubber Soul might be the that pinnacle of of when they of of, of a sound that was just so so collective and so yeah so perfect. Yeah, you know, and I think so. that's what, what some, you make a really good point that yeah. the Beatles were working, even though they had different styles and, and George Harrison had a different thing, they were all working in a collaborative state yeah. or of the same mind. And that's not what was happening with the Beach Boys is you've got basically Brian Wilson and then the rest, or you could say Brian Wilson and, and Mike Love. And, you know, Mike Love famously was attributed with, you know, don't don't mess with the formula, meaning we do songs about cars. We do songs about surfing. surfing. We do songs yep. about girls. <laughs> yeah, and and that's our that's our stock and trade. And do not mess with that because because they've had obviously they've had success with it. That's where they made yeah. their 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 name. But much like the Beatles with that kind of stuff, she loves you. I want to hold your hand. They progressed past it and they said, well, we're going to tackle some more serious themes. Norwegian wood in my life, mm-hmm. right? And they start to go towards that. And Brian Wilson was on that same path of. I, we can say something with music besides the surf is up and and grab your girl and go get a soda. You know, yeah. like he he was trying to progress towards that where the rest of the group was basically like, well, this is what we do, and you know, we're we're making money. Mm-hmm. So there was that little. So he didn't have the 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 backing and the collaborative spirit. No, of it. Not, not that they were against no. him, but he but he was starting to go on his own path. And by sending the Beach Boys out on tour, that leaves him alone in the studio. <laughs> that's right to to then in in his playground so that's when he he grabs uh tony asher who was an ad writer and he a, was jingle a jingle writer, writer. he was yeah. an advertising guy <laughs> yes. not necessarily a lyricist but yeah they they connected somehow and and he he got him as a partner to help write these lyrics and they would have extended discussions about life and and yeah brian wilson was not a teenager he was a young adult and that's what a lot of this is about is mm-hmm. You know, what's it like to be a young adult and transitioning into manhood or transitioning into responsibilities and that that netherworld where you're not a kid anymore, but you don't really feel like a full on adult. 
That's right. And you and you're 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 looking to do something then to step into that next chapter of your life and and exploring this through music was what was the was the con- I guess the the concept of the album. They call it a concept album. It's not it it's not a particular story or anything like that like most concept albums are. The concept is is life. It is the blueprint of life, falling in love, falling out of love, you know, the, the experiences. Yeah. And and through and through the music, I mean it it it's a sonic experimentation of of that, but Tony Asher would add those 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 simple lyrics to a lot of these songs that were just not you know, not not anything like really that you had to read into, like you really didn't have to decipher them or anything like that. It was so simple and yet they were also very uh, multiple interpretations. Yeah, you could. I, yeah, they would, you, you could. You could interpret. You could. You could stick. You know, p- bring it to your own personal experience, or it could be so widespread that it could be something totally different. Yeah, and that was I think the brilliance it cut. I think it, it cut right. Yeah. Those lyrics cut like right to the heart. Yeah, of a lot. Yeah. And you said, and you really, you really nailed it. Where it's done simply, so it's not couched in 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 euphemisms or or entendres or whatever. It's it's pretty much there. It's like the, you know. This is what it's like when you're not sure if you fit in. This is what it's like when you're f- falling in love with somebody and you're n- mm-hmm. and you know you're not really you don't you're not sure. Or this is what it's like when you wish you were just a little bit older and you were an adult and you could spend time with with the one you love. It, yeah. it's, it's it sounds simple, but when you listen to the whole thing, it's you get the theme. It, and mm-hmm. that's the it's it's yeah, like you said, it's not a story about something. It's more a you know, these are thematic elements that this album covers about at you know transition transitioning into adulthood and i think no matter what age you are i think you can listen to it yeah and and fall back into some of these you know some of those some of the lyrics i really connect to and it's some and some of the it's not necessarily always the most popular songs but um so brian wilson goes into the studio and one of the things that i don't know if people know a lot about the beach boys but Brian Wilson was gear veering more and more towards not having the Beach Boys actually play. I mean, he started using session musicians, mm-hmm. uh, particularly a group known as the Wrecking Crew. So if in the 60s, if you were an American pop band and you made a record, even if it was like the Birds or you know a, a quote-unquote band, the members of the Wrecking Crew more than likely played on it. They were so prolific. There's a fantastic documentary called yeah the wrecking crew it is yep. and you will you will get the story of these unknown heroes of music that played on literally thousands of records between the group of them mm-hmm. uh classics that you you would never have thought of so brian was using the wrecking crew he had started using studio musicians to get the sound he wanted b- before pet sounds now that the beach boys are away it's time for the cat to play. And now he can really go to, now go he, to town. he can yeah. really go for it. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's the thing is, is this, so it's, this is really one, one person's vision driving this whole thing. Yeah. And all the music is in his head. And, yeah. the, you know, so he had to earn the trust of the wrecking crew because they're used to working with professionals and, you know, they used to work with Phil Spector and very regimented and, yeah. you know, do this, do that. And then this, this young kid comes in who's booking all this studio time paying. These guys are getting paid. So they're there. It's not like they're members of a group and say, oh, I'm not, I'm not working today. They're getting paid. So they're showing up for the sessions mm-hmm. and he wins them over. He, he gets across what he's trying to do with them. And it's just amazing what, you know, there how he was able to earn their respect and get them on board. And he did some crazy stuff that would never be done in music using, uh, giving 
like two bass players, but having them play in different keys. Yeah. You know, one guy gets the sheet music. He looks at it. He goes, this isn't a different key than the other person. And he goes, I'm just going to play it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to question it. And it, and it worked. So he was not only using the, the studio as a tool, but he was also expanding what music could be. You know, combining right. instruments to make different sounds. That's right. Three keyboardists at all times. Uh, one, sometimes it would be three pianos at once, or it could be an organ uh, with two pianists. And he actually, one of them actually put, I believe, tacks on every every key of of the piano. So, like when you hear that, you know, and you can distinctly hear it in the in in the music when they when they hit the key, you could hear this sort of clicking. Yeah. sound happening like it was, it was so unusual but so so su such technique and such yeah. like well, who, th so who thinks so of this innovative. kind of stuff yeah innovative yeah, so and, in you know trying and and if you're wondering about what what pet sound you know if you look at the album cover and it, <laughs> it, it, it belies what it is because they the, the, yeah the, the record label took this the title literally and the and the album cover is the beach boys feeding these animals at a zoo and the album's pet sounds Pet sounds actually means pet as in favorite. And yeah. this is a collection of their favorite sounds, their pet sounds. So it's got nothing to do with animals, even though, <laughs> even though, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an iconic album cover, but it be really betray. It makes it look like it's something that, it, that it's different, that, that yeah. it's not, you know, and, and they took it literally, but it's, it is very, it's very deceptive. <laughs> you know, you look at this simple album cover and you're like, what is this? They're feeding you're, sheep and they're, you're, you're, you know, acting like some kid, kitty music or something yeah. like you know and um and that's not well that's not a you know uh not necessarily a a, a wrong th assessment because some of the music is some somewhat kid-like in, in in a way like there's he, he employs some like uh, you know a, a sense of of, of innocence of youth, innocence yeah. and and the music reflects all of this and it's that's that's what's so oh man i just and all of this in his head and everybody having to decipher that and everybody having to really come to terms with this, this young brainiac just coming in and every day and really putting them through their paces too. Yeah. We're not talking like, you know, once one take he, you know, I think for every song and there, there had to have been like multiple takes and then, no, we, we want to add this. Let's take that out. And it, he drove them all nuts. Um, you know, they were, <laughs> these and he would literally tell them it. how to play by, yeah. by mimicking the sound or mimicking the tempo yeah. from the from the studio and, and trying to get get what was in his head out to them mm -hmm. and with this album and the way he way brian wilson recorded is he was not like an overdubber mm. so he wouldn't do things in layers every so if you're talking about the wrecking crew and you're talking about two or three bass players a couple of guitar players hal blaine on drums couple of couple of keyboardists all these guys have to do everything at the same time at the same time I and was if gonna, he heard yeah. one thing that was off even he, though he was mostly deaf in his right ear he would hear that one thing didn't sound correct in his mind he would stop try and explain what it was that he was he needed to hear and they would all have to go again and you can't do that without getting professional musicians no because regular band members would be throwing their instruments because these guys are getting paid to do it. And and he would just put them through their paces until it, it, it matched what it sounded like in his mind. And try doing that today with today's budgets. And, you know, there's no way anybody could do that today with such a broad group of musicians. And, and it would yeah. cost a, a, an absolute fortune to do that. And, you know, but yeah, I mean, it just it blows my mind just to, to, to think that this is all going through his head, and to be able to pick that out 
one person doing something wrong yeah or something off and everything stops i mean how, god how does that how does that happen i mean it you know the, yeah. the, the, everybody agrees that there's something he was channeling something in his in his brain that was unlike anything anybody had ever done before. It yeah, is, and and uh, I think the the good I think it's the good thing that the Beach Boys were not around. So he had that yeah. that released pressure of people scrutinizing what he's doing or questioning what he's doing. That would come. <laughs> yeah, it would come. It would come later on. But for now, while the Beach Boys were out there touring and spreading the message of the Beach Boys, he was like the mad scientist in the laboratory creating something totally different. That was nothing like, I mean, there was some lead, there was a couple of songs you can pick out that were kind of the lead up to it. Mm -hmm. But like you said earlier, this was a demarcation point, whereas most bands kind of uh, evolve into it. Like you said, with rubber, with rubber soul, they kind of, yeah. they kind of work their way into it. This was kind of like a, almost a full stop of no, here we go. And, and we're, I'm, I'm doing something totally different. And many consider it basically to be a, a Brian Wilson solo album because he really was the, the architect of, of everything. What do you think? What's your what's your assessment of that? Do you agree with that, or pretty, for the most pretty part? Much. Or, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I think if he had his way, he would have. I mean, he pretty much sings lead on almost everything. Yeah, you know, so so there is, and and when Caroline No was released as a single, it was released as Brian Wilson. Mm -hmm. It was not released as Beach as the Beach Boys. It was released under Brian Wilson's name. So there's a lot of that, and I think that the Beach Boys were also kind of placating him and like, you know what, we you know, let's let him do this. Let's just kind of go, go yeah. ahead. We'll we'll kind of. We'll play nice, but then if it doesn't work out, and that's you know kind of what would what would end up happening. So Beach Boys he, returned from the tour, the tracks <laughs> yeah. are pretty much done, and they're like, well, what you know, because they didn't really know what was going on. They really didn't. They weren't consulted because Brian was writing with Tony Asher, and they come back like, well, what what is this? What we don't connect with this? What do you? What is this talking about? Mm -hmm. um, we're not, you know, again, Mike Love does just always seem to be like the stuffed shirt, like just was not hip to anything, not open to diff something different, right? He even had a problem. Yeah. One of the, you know, uh, the song, I Know There's an Answer was originally called Hang On To Your, Hang on ego. To your ego. Yeah. And he, you know, th the drug reference, it sounds like a trip thing. So, you know, change the lyrics. I mean, the, the guy couldn't have been a, more of a stick in the mud you know, in, in a group, you know, just trying to, I, I'm going to say trying to protect his own interests of Oh, no doubt. Beach Boy successful and not not being an artist. I, I, I agree. And I, I think he was more or less uh, an extension of of Brian's dad, too. I think that his dad was re very controlling and very mm -hmm. and he was all about the, you know, the success. And, you know, he's obviously he spent more time, you know, worrying about what they were doing abroad what the band was doing abroad than what his own son was doing in the studio. Mm -hmm. Otherwise he caught, he, he could have came in and said, Hey, you know, you're done. What, what is this? You, you know, but because, you know, the beach boys were on tour, he would follow their success and their pattern. And I think Mike love is almost like, a, you know, his almost his right-hand man in a, in a, in a sense mm -hmm. where he, he would come in and, and try to talk Brian out of these things. Like, what do you, no, we we're a surf. You know, we sing like you say. We're surfing music and car music. We, you know, you need. We, this is our what we need to be doing. This what is yeah. this? You know, in a sense they, too, because of his mental issues. I think they they were they were some. They didn't know how to handle Brian at this point because mm -hmm. he was so being so creative, but at the same time, you know, so unapproachable or distant. Exactly. Yes. You yes. Know? And yep. and I, Tony Asher, I was reading a quote that he said, and it was kind of like. Uh, Brian Wilson's like a brilliant musician, but an amateur human being. And it sounds mm. mean, 
but I, I understand what he meant that he what it does didn't connect well with people, yeah, like that, and and was awkward and and kind of uncomfortable. But you put him in in the, that in musical environment, and he was able to flourish and produce stuff and and sing. Oh my God, his vocals on mm-hmm. Pet Sounds alone are just are worth the price of admission to hear his soaring vocals on don't talk put your head on my shoulder it's just like you know so beach boys come back right and if the if the if the wrecking crew got put through their paces (laughs) oh yeah the he was unrelenting with the beach boys you know he he put them he was looking for the same exact thing and that's probably harder because you're trying to get people to sing a certain thing or, or, you mm-hmm. know, I, I can't even picture what it would be like, even for, even for pros like the beach boys. I mean, I don't think anybody could touch the beach boys with harmonies and, no. and vocal blends. I mean, they, they set the standard. They blow, they'll, they, they blew the Beatles out of the water. No, no, I, no, I totally no agree that their, their sense of harmony was, 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 a, was very specific sound and it, and it was otherworldly. Yeah. Honestly, it was unlike, you know, unlike anything you've ever heard. And so in many sense. different levels and, and six, six vocalists at one yeah. time. I mean, you're, that's and they're that's moving notes do. in between. I mean, they're just doing yeah. things that you. It's not like they're all just singing at the same time. They are, but then they'll you know one vocalist will kind of change, go up a note or two or down a note or two in between, and you're getting these crazy blends. And it had to be perfect. And again, yeah. very and very like we said before, if something was off, it we we started. This is take one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> it would it was driving Mike Love bats you know he was just he i mean i think he was just ready to uh just kill brian wilson at this point he was, yeah because you know, they said he had they yeah. said you know i think michael love famously famously said that brian wilson had like dog hearing like he was hearing yeah. mistakes or things that nobody else was hearing right. and they're like no that, that sounded fine like it sounded mm-hmm. better than fine it sounded great and he's like no it's it's still not right no you know so he, i'm not sure how you, you know that's not going to be well received i'm sure as well you know, if you got someone just keep saying no, 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 you probably get a little animosity thrown your way. You know, especially yeah, if you're just singing. And, and like over I said, it, I mean, a lot of them were probably thinking, "Well, there's 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 something wrong with Brian." I mean, you know, yeah. I, that had to have been in the headspace there. That you know, they had to have been, you know, it had to be part of the discussion where you know they're concerned about his mental health at this point. It's mm-hmm. like they, we're not hearing it. We got professional musicians who aren't hearing it. Yeah, we got the consensus here. I mean, Brian is hearing something that n- none of us hear. What's the, what's going on here? And that that had to have been really, really difficult. Yeah. But to to but to concede and to give him that that leverage uh, and that ability to, to 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 control things and to get things done, it was it was amazing. Yeah. So you it's know, just, but it's, it's a it's a credit to you know the loyalty of the band and and just the family aspect sticking together. Then they got it done. Yeah. And, and, and Brian know. being able to to get it across finally and yeah. corral them. You know, and I think one of the beauties of this album is you're actually getting three albums in one. If you search it out, you get three albums in one. Mm. You get Pet Sounds as it was recorded. But you can go on, you know, mostly on, on YouTube, maybe some of it on Spotify. You can listen to the instrumental, just the instrumental backing tracks. Those mm-hmm. that's music on its own that stands to be listened to. Oh yeah, the treat is listening to the vocals the without vocals. the music. And like I said, you get you literally get three albums in one because I can I can listen to the album, I can listen to the instrumental tracks, and I can listen to just the vocal tracks because they've all been separated out because 
Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic box set in the 90s, Pet Sound Sessions. It's not available anymore. It's not even on Spotify anymore, so we can't even tell you to yeah. go check that out. But on YouTube, there are a lot of the the takes from those sessions of just the instrumental thing. And we're going to put a few, uh, we're going to put two specifically in the show notes for you to check out. And you're going to hear vocals. And when you just hear the vocals without the music, you can really appreciate the masterpiece and the, and the work that the Beach Boys put in mm-hmm. to achieve it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I almost wish that the entire album could have been an acapella album. You know, it, it, it's called the stack of vocals. That was the, that was the name of those yep. particular uh, sessions or whatever. And that's, you mentioned the box set and that's really where my first experience with pet sounds came was that 96 box. Set. Really? Hearing me too. The, yeah. Hearing this, <laughs> he, hearing this album in stereo for the very first time for their 30th anniversary. Stop it. Was uh, <laughs> something to behold. I mean, I had, of course you'd heard, you know, song, you know, I've heard the, not in, in its entirety and I didn't really appreciate it as much as I should have. Uh, but hearing wouldn't it be nice okay in in stereo for the very first time i i think i played that song like think 10 times in a row we over and over again we never discussed this and i was gonna get to that i I usually am an advocate for how things were recorded yeah you leave them oh that's creepy because it's the same exact thing when i heard Mm -hmm. when i heard the stereo mix of of this album and in particular wouldn't it be nice or you hear the stereo mix of wouldn't it be nice without the without the instrumentation? Yeah. If you don't get if you don't get chills, I, I'm I'm gonna have to check you for a heartbeat. Because it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Like I'm I'm usually a stickler for the original, but the the stereo mix, because because Brian because of Brian Wilson's hearing loss of hearing, he just mixed in mono, and that's the way Phil Spector did it. It became like this just one sheet or or one the like, wall of sound. Wall of, Sound yeah. of music all yeah. together, no, no stereo separation. So he was he was able to control what the mix would. You wouldn't get stereo separation. But for the for that box set, they went back to the masters and they you know it was all there, mm-hmm. and they remixed it in stereo. And oh, it sounds like a brand new album. And yeah, yeah. I I remember hearing the the vocal version of it, and I literally was was almost couldn't speak i was like because you're hearing that's just the, the the backing stuff that we use and all that stuff that gets is a little bit buried in, in the mono mix yeah and you can really appreciate what what the beach boys did as a vocal group absolutely stunning stunning yep, and and yep. this was now people back in the in 66 were proclaiming this as a masterpiece hearing it the way it was yeah and, and what did I always, what do I always say about like, you know, mono recordings and, and pop recordings in general is like, there's a lot of high end and, but even with this, I, that was so pleased to hear a lot of that bottom end come through yeah. on that stereo mix. Cause even in the, just the voices, you could hear the, the bass and the voices. And it's so and, crisp and, oh and clear. Yeah. It's just absolutely yep. a, go- it's a gorgeous, you know, or I, you know, I, and I'm going to even advocate if you're going to pick up the vinyl, get, get the stereo mix. I don't yeah. think you're going to go wrong with it. I mean, it's just no, absolutely, absolutely not gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. It was such a, so, so beautifully created and crafted. It's two, and, it's like two hours, two hours, two minutes and tw- 12 seconds of pop perfection. Yeah. It is by, by not, I think it's probably the greatest pop song. Yeah. It's my favorite Beach Boys song. Wouldn't it yeah. be nice? Yeah. You know, I, I kind of got into the Beach Boys like, 
I think in the mid eighties, they put out a, a, they put out a, a collection called um, made in the USA. It was like a greatest hits. Yes. And it had mm-hmm. that song, get you back on it, which was like a new song by them. That's and right. I kinda, yep. I, that kind of caught my ear. That song. I was like, I like that catchy. song. Yeah. And so I really yeah. wasn't on the beach boys thing. And I bought that. And then wouldn't it be nice? I think was on it or maybe even be the, the, the first, it's not the first song, but um, for some reason I, I connect. I'm like, Oh my God, I really love that song. And then kind of put the Beach Boys away for a while. And then the yeah. same thing as you. It was like late late 90s for some reason, you know, and, and Brian Wilson's solo album came out in, in 87 or 88. Yeah. Didn't really, I, I kind of didn't really give it much of a listen. I just listened to one or two songs and and, and shelved it. And then uh, in the mid 90s, they started re-releasing the Beach Boys CDs. They put two two albums on one CD and they started, there's this big push. And mm-hmm. Much like I the got, Beatles. Yeah, and, got know, into, I got into Brian yeah. Wilson and then started see i saw him like i don't know six or seven times and then picked up the picked up the the box set the pet sound sessions and yeah you know again even if you don't listen to any of the the studios the, you know the session stuff it can get a little a little lengthy but the stereo mixes are absolutely just it's, amazing. it's it's a shame really because that it's not a, i didn't know it was not it wasn't available anymore um but I that's i mean it's not on spotify it used to be on spotify and used to have the whole thing and it, 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 i'm such an advocate for that's why i'm such an advocate for physical media sometimes because <laughs> in this particular case not only is, is pet sounds the album the masterpiece that it is but this in itself was probably one of the greatest just case studies of of any album like yeah. really they really they really broke it down with like all like you say, like it's like three albums in one. It's like this whole whole disc of just vocals, whole disc of just instrumental, multiple takes of of one song, but you love all of them, right? Yeah. You, you know, every every you know, there's there's you got Carl Wilson singing Brian Wilson stuff and Brian singing Carl stuff, and yep. you know back and forth, and they were they were experimenting with you know trying different takes. Oh, oh, it was so such a great set, and I had it, and I don't have it anymore, and I just Whoops. I don't know what happened to it. And I'm just, I could kick myself for not, for not having it in my possession. I, I if, have it. I'll sell you my copy. If I were to like, <laughs> I'm sure if I went to buy it today, it would, it would be like yeah. a, thousand, a thousand bucks or I something. I don't know. I didn't, know, even, you know? Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even check, but, but um, let's get to the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, let's get to one, one, one more thing. Again, this, you know, we talked about this album coming out as a response to Rubber Soul. We mentioned it a little bit, but yeah, the Beatles would hear this. And, and, you know, most particularly Paul McCartney has a very strong affection for this. And he said, and he's basically said, God only knows, which is on this album. It's probably the greatest song ever written. I mean, he, he concedes that to Brian Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, This would, again, it's two bands like communicating with each other through music, you know, rubber soul inspires pet sounds, pet sounds, you know, they, they get revolver out and he's making pet sounds. So pet sounds inspires Sergeant Pepper because they hear what that, you know, Beatles hear that and say, wow, um, what, you know, what can we do? How can we push further? So I mm-hmm. love that these two, two bands were just kind of going at it. And, and, you know, unfortunately, Brian Wilson would, would not be able to sustain it. I mean, that, and that's the thing is his, his demons got the better of him and, and the pressures of the group for yeah. him to not continue doing stuff that was unrelatable to them um made him an outsider and i think that also contributed to his problems because he had no support whereas the beatles were like all for one one for all do whatever you want we're you know we'll play on it yeah Um, and and that's the tragedy of of the beach boys and brian wilson yeah his his dad in particular i mentioned his dad before and that you know i don't want to get too too much into this but it's like his dad was was really really hard on him and, and just 
treated him like, you know, just nothing was ever good enough. Yeah. Nothing was ever good enough. When he first heard God only knows he was like, what is this? You know, what is this pansy type song you're writing this, you know, and it was an absolute classic and Paul McCartney. And, you know, when I mentioned Paul, let's go, let's get back to that a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to say this, I'm going to throw it out there. All right. Throw it. And, uh, and especially after seeing the get back documentary, okay, uh-huh. we just, we, we just talked about that. Would you, would, I would argue that Paul McCartney, because, and because of this, I think that's why he connects with Brian Wilson so much is because I think Paul McCartney uh, out of the Beatles is, is the most musically inclined. Do you yeah. agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he, He's most orchestral he and most. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thinks in that way. Whereas, you know, John right. Lennon is more like the straight ahead rocker and, and let's get down and dirty with it. And, and Paul McCartney has those same sensibilities. I mean, you can listen to his, his later Beatles stuff, you know, on, on Abbey road and et cetera. And it's got a lot of those trappings and it's got that. Yeah. It's got more, his songs are more arranged, right? And that's yeah. what Brian Wilson was doing. These, these songs were arrangements and Paul McCartney didn't shy away from that. No matter what kind of gr- grief he got from maybe John Lennon, this is sappy or it's, yeah. it's you know, there's a kinship. Kind of I feel like yeah. there's a musical kinship there across the pond. The two, yeah. like you know, yeah. I, I would that, not, yeah, I would not disagree with that. That right. he was the, the kindred spirit and kind of yeah, like I, I see what he's doing and I, see the possibilities, yeah, of what the Beatles can do with that. But putting our spin on it again, they they're not. Pet sounds doesn't sound like Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper doesn't sound like Pet sounds. Pet sounds doesn't sound like Rubber Soul. But it's the just spirit, the inspiration, the inspiration, and, yeah, and, the spirit, and, the, and how right. they were, they were, you know, kind of pushing each other mm-hmm. uh, through musical communication, which is just so great. I mean, we got. It's such, a shame that they never came together, and and actually, I would have ah, liked come to together. Seen. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but it, to, that would have fun, been really, fun, fun, really cool to have <laughs> to have had them work together, and that's uh, I don't think that ever happened, did it? You know, no, they, they were both on Capitol. Yeah, they're both on the same label. Un- so unusual. Capital was making yeah. out like uh, like kings. Yeah, they had the Beatles in the UK, and then they had the Beach Boys in in in, uh, in LA, in California. So they were making money hand over fist with these guys. But yeah, this is this is one of those ones. Also, it's it's not a very long album, but you got to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. You, you got to sit and listen to this, and because there's a couple of instrumentals as well. Um, which, which you wouldn't think, well, why, you know, why, so that there are some songs where the Beach Boys are not present at all. And, and Brian Wilson and Brian Wilson didn't play on this album either. He was the producer, you know, he, he guided everything. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd be hard pressed. I think maybe they said Carl maybe played some guitar on something perhaps, but you know, you don't really hear of bands doing that either where the band doesn't play, you know, and they weren't too happy with it, but it was, you know, the results are that you can't argue with the results. You no, cannot you argue with what he accomplished because he wouldn't be able to do it with them. Yeah. If they you had know? come into this together, there would have been, it, it would have been a much different album. I think if they had come in and as a group and said, let's do this, it, it would not have been nowhere near the same, same result. The vocal alone is, is probably the most important aspect, you know, in terms of, you know, really dry. And that's where the Beach Boys come in. So in a sense, he's using them as backing musicians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, well. They are instrument. They are you know? as much an instrument yeah. of the studio. Because, again, he, he as the producer, he's bringing them in and saying, OK, here, these are done. And now we need you to get, go to work and, and, and do this part. So he was like literally like the commander. He finished the backing tracks and then they came in and uh, and laid it down and. Yeah, what wouldn't it be nice is just the opener and it's just one of those songs that I think everybody can connect to if you 
I, like I said, you don't have to be of the age, but you can kind of remember the feelings of when you were younger and, and hoping and wondering what it's going to be like when you're older and, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're a, a, a man or a woman or whatever, and you're in a relationship and it's that, that hopeful feeling. And that's what the, you know, the album really kind of, for the most part portrays is those feelings of hope with love and, and, and what, what's, what's to come. You know, yeah, and, all, and maybe some there. uncertainty, and yeah. it, there's definitely some uncertainty about about it as well. It addresses that too. But it could also be. I mean, if you're a cynic, <laughs> <laughs> if you could look at the song, like again, it, you know, I think there's a there's another interpretation there. It's it's also a it's also a, a warning. You know, watch, be careful what you wish for sometimes, because mm-hmm. you know you, we we've all been there. We we want oh we want that life. We want to be married, and when and when things don't turn out the way just quite the way. Uh, then you look back on that song and you say, Hey, you know, there's a, there's that naivete of it is, is gone. You know, that aspect of the song. Yeah. And I don't, I, actually, I don't even think there was any naivete to it to, to begin with. You know, if you just look at it, it's just a hopeful song. Sure. But it's not, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not a, a sort of a puppy dog kind of just, you know, random pop song. There's more to it than that. And then mm-hmm. that multiple interpretation there, I, I could look at it back. I look at it, I look at it from the you know? innocent point of view of it, though. I yeah. look back at it as, as you don't you don't know what you don't know yet, right? And that's why it's it's so romantic to when you're young to think about those things, right? Because you you haven't experienced, right? Well, the heartache well, or whatever happens in your life, I, you know. When, when from my own age, experience, you're, you're yeah, kind of projecting it. You're projecting yeah. the good things, right? From what I uh, from my own experience, though, it's like I wanted that though. I yeah. wanted to be to to grow up so fast. Yeah. And to, and to, you know, just jump in, you know, um, so, you know, decisions were made, but it's just, you know, but that kind of thing. Uh, and that was, a, that's what the song speaks to with me is like, you know, just wanting that so mm-hmm. much that you're, you're just ready for it, even if you're not ready for it, you know, but you, yeah. you know, um, uh, so there's that sort of, you know, you, you, so why are we such in a hurry to grow up, you know, kind of thing, you know, we, and, and we, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's where, that's where the cautionary aspect comes into play for me in, in, with that song, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, and you get a little bit of that self doubt in the song. That's not me, which I really like that song, even though Mike Love is, you know, has the vocal. Mm-hmm. I, I just like the, what it, what it gets across, right. Cause there is, it's that self doubt and um, about being alone, but then kind of, you know, things don't necessarily turn out like you thought they would. And you do, you miss being around people. So, you know, these songs really approach things. It's not all just love and, and, and happiness. It's, it's yeah. approaching, you know, that young adulthood from, a from all these different aspects. And he really, really kind of was able to, to knock it out of the park with this really. But it's not, it's not, it's told like from the perspective of a young adult that you feel as if, you know, he, he might as well have been, he could have been 50 years old writing these songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they don't evoke like, again, that naivete, that yeah, innocence, like, they, 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 there's a maturity to these, yeah. to the, to, just because of the music and the lyrics too. Like, like, you know, so yeah, I mean, they, they're, so they're genuine, mm-hmm. they're true. You know, it's not just some like, you know, lollipop type pop stuff. Like, you know, like a lot of that was going on in the sixties, but yeah, you it's know, not about dating and, you know, exactly, going, you know, the taking, puppy your, dog, taking yeah. your favorite girl out and stuff like right, that. It, right. It's kind of what, what happens after that and what, what happens when you've outgrown all that, you know, and, yeah. and what, what is next on the horizon for you. And that's, you know, of course, what, what, what the, there's one, two songs, but really one song that's got nothing to do with all this. And that's Sloop John B. 
Yeah. Which, <laughs> which is, a, which, which, which is, which is a kind cover. of weird. It's almost like a palate cleanser um, before you get to side two. And, you know, Al Jardine, who's, you know, the guitarist for the, for the Beach Boys was really into folk music yeah. and was really pushing Brian like, Hey, check out this song. We should do it. You know, do an arrangement of it. And he, you know, Brian Wilson wasn't a really big folk fan, but eventually kind of, you know, Al Jardine got it in front of him and then, Brian Wilson kind of worked it up into something that that was totally different, and, and oddly enough, Al Jardine auditioned to sing it, and Brian Wilson said no. <laughs> said I'll do it. <laughs> so the guy, so, the guy, the guy promotes the the, the song, gets him to look at it, <laughs> and, and he doesn't, doesn't get, get to, to sing. He doesn't get to do it. it. Nope, nope, denied. <laughs> poor, poor Al Jardine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then oddly enough, another oddity is the the song. There's actually a title track called Pet Sounds. Mm-hmm. And it's an instrumental. And if you if you listen to it without knowing what the title was, uh, it, it might sound it might evoke something because it was it was originally supposed to be or it was submitted as for consideration to be a theme for a James Bond film. The, mm. the working title was Run James Run, which is James Bond, and and it's got that sound to it. And that's it was yeah. that's what it was supposed to be is. You know, go you know, offered it up for use in a James Bond movie, and you know, so it's, it has a little bit of a surfy sound, but it also has a little bit of that Bondy, that Bond sound that you used to kind of hear back then, and that's really what it was. But then they said, "No, we can't." We're that's not gonna interesting. Use it I never, I never knew that, and yeah. and and now when I think about it, it's like, yeah, I could, I could totally see, especially the earlier Bond, like Doctor No, yeah. and yeah, it's got and, that, it's got that, yeah. Yeah, that that swinging kind of sound to that's it. That's right. Yeah, that um, loungy. Yeah, yeah. It's got the horns and everything. So that's that's what it was supposed to be. But then they said no. So all right, we'll rename it Pet Sounds. <laughs> you could definitely see like the the graphics on the screen, like the sort of like yeah, like an in, like one of those intros, one of those like Saul Bass, like you know, <laughs> like you know, what I'm talking about like those yeah. like those those, those that, that those animated like you know fonts coming on and you know that, that yeah, wow, yeah. that's that's really cool. I never yeah, knew that. that's what it originally yeah. was. So, um, you know, so that's kind of an outlier in, in, a, in an interesting way. But again, it's it's a, it, it fits nevertheless because. You know the the other the other instrumental is let's go away for a while, mm-hmm. um, and that's just uh, kind of just really um, it, you know you want to talk about loungy twelve violins four saxophones <laughs> Coca Cola bottle used <laughs> as a guitar slide just you know, throwing anything against the wall again that's the beauty is is he was allowed to experiment unfettered and and just came out with these these beautiful I mean he was he like twenty twenty four. Mm-hmm. At the time, I mean, just amazing stuff that was in his head that he was able to get out and, and find people that would work for him and work with him to get it done. And yeah, it's just an album that, yeah, I still got, I, I was listening to, I listened to it on like three times, not that it was a problem, but I listened to it like three times before we, before we did the show. And I still get like those feelings, like, you know, or when I hear, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't made for these times. You know, it's just you can kind of connect to those things where you don't feel like you belong some some sometimes, and you know you feel like you're an outsider even with your friends, mm-hmm. even as as a you know if you're not that age, you still can kind of feel that or remember if you went through that when you were younger, you know, and yeah. and kind of connect to it. And it's just what what makes this so special, you know, because it's certainly yeah. not dated. There's no like stuff of the '60s and and you know groovy and hip, although there is trip. <laughs> they use the word I mean, the sound times. i mean the sounds sure 
you know, of course you could, you could argue that some of the sounds of being played and being, you know, could evoke that, that time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, lyrically it's timeless. I mean, you know, that song in particular is my favorite. Yeah. You know, that's the one I relate to the most, you know, cause yeah. I, 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 you know, was such an introvert and, you know, and when you, there's the line, you know, they say I got brains, but they ain't doing me any good. And yep. uh, God, I mean, there's just so, you know, those are, they, they cut deep, you know, right. they just, they really do. It's like, it's simple, it's direct, but boy, you know, they really, they really get you, you know? And, and again, back to the, the you know, the instrumental uh, pieces on the album that uh, I played it f- for the very, you know, to, for my oldest son for the first time. And cause he was a big Sergeant Pepper fan. Mm-hmm. And I played in Pet Sounds, and he had never heard it. And I said, "Yeah, this album the, it one up Sergeant Pepper in the aspect that there's not one but two instrumental songs <laughs> on this record. So that in itself is something a feat, you know. Like that's that's who does that, you know what I mean? So it, you know, so he was like, oh, you know, like he was he was kind of. I think he was a little impressed by that, you know, <laughs> you know, or not. I don't know. I don't know what he thinks of it, but, uh, yeah, but I know that it, you know, it all you know. goes to like set the, it all went to just set the table for this. And, yeah. and like I said, it, it came out and people were like, uh, yeah, all right, I guess next. Like it yeah. didn't have, I mean, you know, there were some critics or, or, or some people like, like the Beatles, like, you know, other musicians understood what was going on and respected it. People it just kind of, things died on the vine. Yeah. Things weren't that artsy yet. You know, there wasn't that much of uh, happening on that scene as, you know, I think the Beatles were, were the, you know, were starting it. But you think about the albums that it came out like in like 67, 68, like people like the Zombies and, you know, like, you know, you know, Odyssey and Oracle and all these like trippy psychedelic stuff, you know, that that came out. They say that Pet Sounds is psychedelic. I don't really see it that nah. way. I, I, I don't I don't I wouldn't equate put that in that in, in that box. I, you know, it's not as trippy. Yeah, as, and, and as, when you look at as, it through that you know, that that lens of where things were starting, you know, where the psychedelia was taking over, incense and peppermints and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, pet sounds can kind of sound weak compared to that. If people are, are starting to, yeah. to gravitate, and the Beatles are the Beatles, kind of were starting to touch psychedelia with you know Lucy in the Sky with diamonds, and they weren't afraid to go there. And the Beach Boys would try, uh, and you know, and that was. You know the the pinnacle, one of the greatest unreleased albums ever, would be there would would be the attempted follow up. But Pet Sounds was kind of like kind of died on the vine, and then in the seventies, people started to reevaluate it. You know, it, it, it through the rearview mirror and say, "Wow, I think you know we kind of missed something on this." Like that's right. You know, it, it kind of evokes a different time, and, and you know, I guess after what society was going through at the time and saying, "You know what, we this is something special," and and it only grew over time and like i said you know when rolling stone put out their first you know 500 top albums it was number two and, and sergeant pepper was number one i mean that's pretty much the way it should have been or the way it was right because one inspired the other way. and one yeah. one was like the the run-up and then sergeant pepper theoretically was the pinnacle you know but then yeah. uh like we talked about when they when they re-released you know uh rolling stone redid the uh the the list in 2020 or 2021 Sergeant Pepper dropped to like number 13 or or somewhere around there, but Pet Sounds stayed at number two. It did not move. Other other albums got shifted around. I think we went we went through that. I think we went through the the top 10 or whatever it was. And and all these other albums got shifted around, dropped or whatever. You know, what Marvin Gaye's what's going on took the number one spot, but Pet Sounds stayed exactly where it was because mm-hmm. 
it did not falter and it did not diminish under the lens of time. Whereas Sergeant Pepper, like, oh, you know, might be overblown for the Beatles. Maybe, maybe Forever Soul was better or something. But Pet Sound stood the test of time. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about <clears throat> more. Sergeant Pepper was more about the the musical experimentation, I think. And but you really can't connect to songs like you know, you know, Lovely Rita, and you know what I mean. Like that, that's not a song that it, that 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 you could take and and wear it on your chest and you know like pet sounds i mean it's so personal you know i don't, I don't know if i could what... li- i don't think i could listen to it with somebody i'll be honest I don't, I, don't, I don't know if i could put pet sounds on that's an interesting and sit point and listen to it with somebody nothing against anybody <laughs> nothing against, <laughs> you know i, I don't but know you want that, it for yourself could, yeah, yeah i don't know that i could sit there with somebody in, in another room and, and putting this on and and kind of me kind of experiencing it but and then having somebody else there yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's kind of, I, kind well, of strange. There are there are a few songs that I like don't talk, for example. To yeah. me, you know, the, you know, again, Brian Wilson is in his early 20s and I, you know, there's that uh, that mature aspect of writing a love song, which I could I think I can I could probably consider that to be one of the greatest love songs ever mm-hmm. ever conceived, ever written because it's so it, it taught it speaks to you know you, you this isn't we're just we're now just falling in love we're not or we're not splitting up it's saying we've been through some shit and we're sticking together and yeah. we don't have to say anything to one another and to, for him to uh to have understood that and to evoke that 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 feeling at such an early age is a it's, it's outstanding it's outstanding to me it, it's it blows my mind and the just the the, the naked vocal on that on yeah. that song the falsetto and you know brian wilson by and large the the falsetto is what makes it i mean he's got that great falsetto oh, yeah. but i don't consider his i don't think he's such like a he doesn't have like a really great voice in a sense i think mm-hmm. carl has the more melodic voice it's the sweeter voice well yeah you, you very, get it and god only knows right very, i mean very similar but i think carl has the 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 range and the pitch that yeah. makes it smoother smoother than brian's a little you know he could be a little rough around the edges when he's when he's singing in a normal tone yeah but that falsetto is like unmistakable yeah, it, it sends chills up your spine you, you know but when he's singing like you know don't talk and and it's so naked and it's so vulnerable and and just the emotion that's of being evoked there is is uh you know that 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 gets me every time that's yeah. the, the chills so, yeah, and, and just know. like I said, I think we got to give some respect to God Only Knows as well, which is oh yeah, oh yeah, kind of like the timeless song for from them and that one that's endured, and that's that's Carl Wilson's. That's really the only time we hear from Carl Wilson. But yeah, wow, and, what, but, it's it's a simple a simple lyric. God only knows what I'd be without you. You know, it's kind of like yeah. really simple, but it hit. It goes, you know. Actually, when you first hear it, it's like I may not always love you. So the you think, very well, okay, first this line is, of that this is song not, this is not starting off too good. But then nobody writes that, right? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. You, you, but you as know. long as there are stars above you, you'll never there need you to doubt it. Like he turns it right around. I may not yeah. always love you, but you know what? I'm going to couch. I'm going to explain why that's not going to be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you really got that's life. It. That that it's tr- it's the truth, right? Yeah. You, 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 you're with somebody for, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to go, you know, no matter who it is, it could be your, your wife, your, your, your kids could be your pet, yeah. <laughs> you know, your dog or, you know, uh, uh, you know, your, your parents, uh, like, that's what I'm saying. It's so universal in that, in that, and it's a, it's a, it's a broad, sense there but it's just it speaks to everyone 
and, I, and like I said, I don't care what what musical background you might have. In a lot of groups, I, you know, you could be the you know the biggest be in the biggest punk band or or metal band. I think any anybody could identify with this record. Everybody could identify with this yeah. record. Now, now here's the thing: he was at, at the time of these sessions. He re, they they recorded Good Vibrations. Yeah, and it was considered. To you know, they were going to put it on in in place of Sloop John B. They were going to put Good Vibrations on this album. Do you think mm. it would fit? I think so. Really? I always I always wanted it to be on Pet Sounds because because I love cause it, that song in itself is a masterpiece. Yeah, I, so I, I just don't it, I don't think it fit. I think it it really it fits okay. outside of it because they had start you know I think that was really starting to do something you know I think it has more in common with what he was going to do with Smile than it does mm. with like Pet Sounds. I think it's like that it was that next evolution of going to the nth degree of getting a sound and doing stuff. And, and I think, it, well, it's of, definitely a step up. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, if, if, if believe it or not, I mean, if you, how do you step up pet sounds, but there it is. Yeah. Yeah. And but, that was the thing is, is uh, the Beatles respond with Sergeant Pepper. So Brian Wilson's like, well, you know, I've got something up my sleeve. So he ditches Tony Asher and he hooks up with Van Dyke Parks, who was another lyricist, very abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're, they're, project was going to kind of be more of an Americana type travelogue about the United States called Smile and it totally fell apart like the backlash came in because Pet Sounds didn't do what it was supposed to so it's now now it's like well we have to exert some uh some control over Brian and he was getting more and more erratic uh, sessions were getting crazier and crazier he was, oh, yeah. you know light lighting <laughs> lighting fires in the studio to try and get you know get a certain feel for stuff he was doing everybody had to wear fire hats so he really started to kind of become a little erratic and and smile became an obsession the sessions went on forever and ever with snippets of stuff being created that was supposed to be stitched together but they weren't figuring it out mm-hmm. and then finally Brian just kind of cracked you know like the pressure became too much the whole project got abandoned. He never wanted to hear anything from it. Never wanted to hear, look at anything from it. And was like, kind of like, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and the beach boys would put out, you know, smiley smile, which was some fragments of it. And, mm-hmm. and then the beach boys would evolve, but you know, Brian would recede from the beach boys for the most part. And the beach boys would have to find their own way. And they were able to reinvent themselves. They, they eventually kind of, yeah. you know, became a, became a different group and, had to find their own identity without Brian because he was basically in the band, but not really present. And and when he was, it was very reluctantly. Yeah. And he, we don't, he, he would contribute maybe, you know, one or two good songs. Yeah. You know, or something time, that was like, old that he had hanging around that, and they would, exactly, they would yeah. regurgitate it. So he was real. And then, and then things got worse through the seventies. He got really in bad shape, got hooked up with a, with a therapist that was absolutely taking advantage of him and just isolating him in, drugging him up. Uh, finally got free of that in the 90s and kind of started emerging again, started touring, started recording. He's very prolific, right? He records. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I saw him on tour a bunch of times. Uh, I actually shook his hand. Uh, yeah, you did. I took advantage. I t- I tell took that story. Sh- go ahead. I took, tell I took, tell I took the full story. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I go see him? Uh, we went to go see him at, uh, this is one of my famous things is uh, he was opening for Paul Simon at Jones Beach. Yeah. yeah. So I got tickets. And the intention was not to stay for Paul Simon. The intention was to see Brian Wilson. So, he, and he was doing like a little, like after his set, like he opened. So then he would go back and and like you know sign merchandise or whatever. So I don't care. Paul Simon's on whatever. So I go back over there, and he's like in this little table area, and he's like signing posters. 
and I get, get my poster and I, you know, give it to him and he signs it. And then I just put my hand out and I grabbed his hand. Like I had, this was as close as I was ever going to get to him. Yeah. I'm like, I, I had to go for it. I, I just like shook his hand. I said, thank you. You know? And, and then that was it. I was done. Like I didn't, you didn't have to, I, we, we left. I was like, great. I don't need to really do anything else with it. That's great. Um, but yeah. so I actually got to see him. He, he took pet sounds out on a symphonic tour. So wherever he would be, he would have, get a local orchestra and they would play all of the stuff. So I got to see him do pet sounds with all the, the with a symphony, with all the, 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 the instrumentation and arrangement, the way it was supposed to be. I got to see him do smile in its entirety when, when he, when mm -hmm. he finally did release smile in the two thousands and put together that masterpiece. Uh, I got to see that as well. So um, nothing but love for, for Brian Wilson and everything that he's done. To hear that album in its, in its <clears throat> original context was interesting for me. Um, for what smile? For smile. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I, loved I, it. I absolutely love, of course, you know, uh, good vibrations and, but you know, Ironically, you know, they, they changed the lyrics a little bit on yeah. on on the song for 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 smile, but I absolutely love Surfs Up. That's like one of my all time favorites, and you know that appeared on the self titled album Surfs Up, and that's when I think when they were starting to get a little psychedelic. Mm -hmm. But it, it was the early seventies though, so like Feel Flows and songs like that, and and uh, Till I Die was a, another masterpiece too. Yeah. I, I love that one. But yeah, but hearing Smile for the first time, I, I didn't know what to make of it, honestly. I really, uh, you know, he's, they're talking about vegetables and- Oh, I loved and, it. And, and just, you know, it's just very, very odd. I had, it really, it took a while for me to warm up to that record, uh -huh. you know, a little bit a little bit more than, than Pet Sounds, because it was just so, uh -huh. such a, such a, <laughs> it was such a, uh, a contrast to, yeah. you know, what I was used to on, on Pet Sounds. So if, yeah. If but, Mike Love hated it, I loved it. <laughs> and he really he really disliked van dyke parks who was the lyricist he just didn't get oh, all yeah. the abstract yeah. stuff and and yeah they shelved it and then in the early 2000s you know uh, members of brian's backing band kind of convinced him like let's take a look at this mm -hmm. you know so they got all the tapes they reached out to van dyke parks who was the lyricist they said do you remember some of this or what what do you remember what song was going to go with what and he had all of his notes so they got yeah. together and brian reluctantly at first but then they re-recorded it and they 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 stitched it together the way that it they remembered it should have been and then since then there's been an official release of of the original smile with that in that track order and everything so mm -hmm. uh, and for a long time it was like the greatest unreleased album ever it's like the what if it's like the first what if yeah you know this, I love that this is the, this yeah. would have this would have supplanted sergeant pepper and i firmly believe that it had to come out at that time it was just trippy and psychedelic enough but still melodic and interesting that it just might have done it he he might have been able to pull it off but he didn't have the support he was having you know the emotional yeah. issues the he said the, the album scares me i can't listen to it because he was so freaked out yeah. um yeah. he didn't want to hear it and it just kind of really threw him for a loop but it's all there now and that's the great thing yeah. is, is this stuff is available it's um, like it's like facing your demons right it's like yeah. you know facing your fears and putting it together and and that's great and i wish other artists had the opportunity to do that. We talked about the who with, you know, with Lifehouse and, you know, yeah. that was supposed mm -hmm. to be their big masterpiece and, you know, that thing. And I think they're actually working on something at this point. Mm -hmm. I think Pete Townsend is planning something with it, but, uh, he should. Sometimes but, you gotta, you gotta close that you, chapter. You, just, to, you gotta, you have to, it's, to finish you, it out, you know, you know it's, it if it's yep. unfinished or you've, you felt that it didn't get to do, yeah. um, 
But but I mean, it's not like Brian Wilson felt it didn't get its due. He was just done. He was just afraid to listen to it. He just didn't want to approach it. Mm-hmm. You know, and because it became so legendary, it was this legendary unreleased album, bootlegged the sessions, bootlegged over and over. Figure out your own order. Your you know, arrange it however you like. Yeah, that you know, you're you're asking for trouble by by trying to embrace it. But Van Dyke's Van Dyke Parks was there. They got together. They got the notes. They 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 reconstructed it and re-recorded it. And I remember listening to it when it came out, and I'm like, oh. I was I was absolutely satisfied. I was like he, re, you know, I was so happy for him as well. Like forty years later, almost forty years yeah. later, and he got some great to face, people to play on that record too. Yeah, some his, great his singers, band and, are pros. I mean, they, yeah. they really replicated. Yeah, uh, they did justice to what the beach, you know, certainly not to the level of the Beach Boys, but they came close enough to replicate what the spirit was. And mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it in a while, but I, I think I may after this. <laughs> I think I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but. Um, yeah so good so and i'm so happy for brian wilson that he was able to come through everything he he was he was probably pegged as a rock and roll casualty and he really was for a long time he was written off i mean he was he was a mess Um, um it went you know everything that happened to him and 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 some of it not even to that he wasn't even in control the idea of not being in control of your own life and, and and having somebody control your life for so long too and 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 having captive captive in yourself in your mind. exactly and 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 the rest of the band just sort of like letting it happen for so long too yeah was was it was a shocker too and then yeah. and then you know, of course the late 80s we talked about that first solo record which you know in itself is is interesting you know i remember when that that kind of got i love me. it now and that for me it's a masterpiece now <laughs> exactly when it came out i found it because it was so odd and so weird that i yeah. said this is not the beach boys I get what people are saying about Brian Wilson. Yeah. Right. Cause it's so, it's so unlike, you know, beach boys music. Uh, that's when I kind of, you know, became interested in him. And then, mm-hmm. then of course, 96, you know, the box set. Oh. Yeah. But I remember getting that. I remember having the, the VHS of the, the all, you know, the American band documentary. Yeah. I had that. You yeah. Know, there's and a I, lot of great the, documentaries. I, at that time, that. the biography came out, the, 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 the controversial, true story and yeah. that's what i really it was so intriguing to learn about all i had no idea that any of this was actually happening to him and it, you know it's it, and then of course this would later be you know uh, again be uh, revisited with the the film love and mercy yep which uh which i i i thought was great um i, I but i think i really liked the soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit as well atticus ross who was partnered with uh uh, Trent, Trent Reznor, Reznor. Nine Inch yep. Nail, Nails, and you know he managed to capture what Brian Wilson might have been thinking and what was going on inside his mm-hmm. head sonically. And I take it that soundtrack is so brilliant, but the way he did it, and Brian Wilson endorsed it. He said, "Yeah, yeah this is this is it." Yeah, this and, and that movie that movie's a great companion piece to this because yeah. it deals with what he was doing during Pet Sounds, like the Those it's, it's very told, two it's specific two times. Yes, yeah, it's, Pet Sounds. In, in, at his yeah, most his, creative and then is at, at his absolute most vulnerable and yeah. most sort of almost self-destructive in a sense, you know, but, uh, an interesting yeah. left. That's when, that's the time when you and I got into Brian Wilson is, is yeah. those two specific time periods. So it was yeah, so cool. I mean, that they nailed I'm that, sorry. You know? I'm sorry. I'm going to be redundant, but I, I have to admit <laughs> I got into Brian Wilson because Jeff Lynn produced one of the songs <laughs> on his album and co-wrote I, it. I was waiting for it. The, the brilliant Let It Shine. <laughs> I was waiting for and it. And then to- I also read that my other favorite honey, Lindsey Buckingham, also wrote and produced 
a song for the album. So I bought the album and it wasn't on there. Yeah, it didn't make but the it. But it was the B-side of the Love and Mercy single. It was yeah. so weird. And that's when Lindsey Buckingham was really in his like Beach Boys mode too. And and, and there was a yeah. there was a documentary about, uh, there was a behind the music about Lindsey Buckingham and they interviewed Brian Wilson. And he's like, Lindsey Buckingham is insane. So for Brian Wilson to say that Lindsey Buckingham is insane... <laughs> that, that, that you know that kind of shows yeah. you you know you know he's very simpatico he's very much influenced by by the beach boys and you can hear it in a lot of his music but um yeah check out love and mercy is a great a great companion piece to listening to this album there's a lot we we covered a lot of territory yeah. um we hope it made sense listen to this album listen to it by yourself listen to it to it with somebody i think if you listen to it by yourself and you just listen to the music and and the words um, I think you'll get something out of it. I, I really I, do. I definitely agree. And you know, if the if the music is sort of weird to you, then then seek out, please seek out the vocal arrangements of this. Yeah. Go on YouTube, try to find it. Try to find the vo- the acapella, the vocal. It's called. I think it's called Stack of Vocals. Yeah. If that's how they they met, that's how they they were titled on the box set. You know, released the track listings. If you could find the just the vocal of wouldn't it be nice? Well, we're gonna and, do it. I'm gonna put that in the show notes. I'm gonna okay, put the great, great. I'm gonna put yeah. the the vocal only of wouldn't it be nice in the show notes, and I'm gonna put the instrumental only of yeah. wouldn't it be nice in the show notes. So you can kind of listen to those because everyone knows the song pretty much. Yeah. If you listen to our our podcast, you're probably listening to to classic rock and all that great stuff. So I'll, we'll link those two in the show notes, and you could just listen to some just amazing. Uh, amazing performances and just listen to that. Just even just listen to the instrumental and you can hear all these different musicians playing and all these different sounds being made. There's a, there's a, you know, an accordion and this timpani mm-hmm. drums that are, that have great reverb on it and, and how Blaine just anchoring everything and just, Oh, yeah. so much stuff going on. There's it's almost an overwhelming like senses when you, when you listen to the track by itself, cause there's just yeah. so much there to digest that you take it for granted when you hear the song with the vocals and the music, you just kind of take it for granted. But when you hear them separately, each one is a masterpiece. Yeah. And listen with headphones. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do it just. And if you don't get chills, uh, I don't know. I don't know Eric's what to say. Come over with the paddles and give you shock and get your I heart going. I might start crying. You're going to end up, you're going to make me cry if I, <laughs> if you're not moved by, Absolutely. you know, just the, you know, if it doesn't give you chills, then I, I, I don't know what else to say, you know, it, it, then you, it doesn't give you chills. Go sit in the refrigerator. Right. That's the only it, way it, you're going to get it. No, I, you know, not to be, <laughs> not to be mean or anything. It's just, it, you don't, uh-oh. I don't know. I guess it just, you're just not musical. I get, or so, you know, whatever. All right. But Eric I, said I, it, you know, you, this has to affect you. Put it, put it out there. Yeah. He's, he's, he's laying it down and I'm laying it down too. This is yep. one that we've waited. We've waited for a long time to talk about this. We, we've brought it up every so often. And we just kind of kept push, you know, k- keeping it at arm's length. But as we approach our one year anniversary, we're ready to uh, to share one of the ones that we absolutely love. Yeah, uh, and, and we're more us. than happy to talk about this one. Yep, um, and let you know how how we feel about it, and hopefully, mm-hmm. and this is what really what this podcast was about is letting people know how we feel about these things, uh, what it means to us, what the experience means, and that's the great thing about music is sharing sharing these experiences. We love to hear about that as well, too. Yeah, you know, and this is a good way to kind of tie it up is. Let, let us know if, if and when you do listen to Pet Sounds, hit us up on social media. We'll have a post with the episode link. So so let's start a conversation there. 
We would love um, to hear from you. Yeah, yeah and let absolutely. us know. Does yep. it? Stay? Hey, listen, if you don't like it, that's fine too. It's it. It's not for everybody, but it connected to both of us, oddly enough, separately. We never talked about it. We never listened to it together, but but we came to it uh, you know, on our own and and got the same thing out of it, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the beauty of music, and that's the beauty of sharing and talking about music, and that's what we do each week. And we thank you for for joining us on this very special trip about a very special album that's that's near and dear to both of our hearts. So um find okay. us on social media. Getting for clipped. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. You are. So hit us, yeah. hit us up on social media. Thirty three twenty four podcast. That that'll you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram if you use that. Uh, let's get the conversation going about this. We would love to hear you uh, and your thoughts about it. And we'll, we'll probably even post the instrumental versions on our group as well. So even if you don't want to go into the show notes, we're gonna put it. We're gonna put it out there for you to check out, and we'll probably throw some comments as well. So thank you for joining us. For this episode much appreciated thank you uh again yes. we, we're coming in on our year celebration so thank you for your support it's been nothing but but fun and a great ride yeah so we're, we're gonna leave it there uh for eric this has been dean and we will see you on the flip side you've been listening to the 3324 podcast with dean legiro and eric cooper You can find us on your favorite podcast provider, so please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 